You're listening to the Fitness Matters Podcast with Paula B, and this is episode number 229. Paula B's Wellness Over 50 Book Club, in partnership with Chirp Audiobooks, reads Hormonal by Eleanor Morgan. Welcome to the Fitness Matters Podcast, where every week we talk about the fitness matters that matter to you. I'm Paula B, YouTuber, certified life and weight loss coach, soon to be author, and your best middle-aged fitness friend. Are you ready to talk about the fitness mindset that matters to you? Me too. Let's go. Hello, hello, everybody, you guys. I am so, so excited that you are here for the Paula B. Wellness Over 50 Book Club in partnership with Chirp Audiobooks. You guys, this month, we read the book Hormonal by Eleanor Morgan, which was different. <laughs> it was different. It was unusual. I, I have some thoughts about it, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts about it. And even before we start with that, though, I got to be honest, the thing that I would love to, to really have a conversation about today is not just this specific book, but the actual book club also. You know, we've been doing this for a couple of months now. I don't know if all of you have joined for all of the, what has it been now, four months, December, no, November, December, January, February, and March. Oh my gosh, is this the fifth one? Okay, apparently time flies, (laughs) which it does. So this is our fifth month of this book club, and I've done it a couple of different ways. The very first month, I had my friend Lori join me, and we did a pre-recorded session that I then put out as a podcast. And, you know, invited comments and wanted to hear from you. And then since then, I've had like one or two guests that have been like featured speakers where I was asking them questions specifically and then asked for participation through the chat box. And so I'm this month am really asking for participation from all of you because I'd really like to open up the conversation in kind of a different way and get a feel for what everybody thinks rather than having one conversation with one person. To me, this felt very book clubby to really talk to all of us and have everybody's opinion chime in as much or as little as you want to, by the way, just, it's not mandatory. I, I would never, do you remember that feeling in school where you were like, please don't call on me, please don't call on me? Yeah, I would not do that to you. I promise it's, it's absolutely, it's voluntary. It's not mandatory. You can say as much or as little as you want. And it's not even mandatory that you finished the whole book. I happen to know because I know some of you a little bit more personally than others. I happen to know some of you didn't finish it, and that's completely okay. Full disclosure, I finished it this morning on the treadmill. So so the very end is the thing that's like most fresh in my mind. But here's here's the thing about about the book club format that I really wanted to kind of get a sense from you. The way that the way that I have thought about it this whole time has really been like hey, here's a book that I don't know anything about. I mean, other than the first month. The first month I had already read that book. And maybe maybe I set an expectation by having read that first one. And then from then, it's been like, hey, let's all discover a book together and let's see what it's like. And I've gotten a couple of different comments from a couple of different places saying, oh, I really thought we were actually going to study this a little bit more. I really thought the conversation was going to be a little bit more, kind of like my regular podcasts, a little bit more teaching style. And so I would love some feedback from you as to whether or not you're looking to 
join a conversation and just talk about it. Meaning, frankly, there's been parts of all the books that I'm like, you know what, that doesn't really resonate with me. Or no, I fully disagree with that. Or, or I mean, everything in between. And so, would you like to read a book from curiosity? Or would you prefer for me to kind of pre-vet the books and know that it's something that I would like to talk about, something I would like to teach you, something that I got something out of that I am truly recommending out of more than just curiosity. So I'd love to hear your opinions about that, about whether you'd like to just have a conversation or if you'd like a little bit more of like a teaching style. Oh, and somebody, Lori had said that um, she read a different book this month, so hopefully she'll be able to join us next month. Isn't that funny? I, I, I and Geraldine finished it just now. Yeah, that, that was that was me scrambling this morning. I, I started the book quite some time ago and enjoyed listening to it, and just found that it took me longer to get through than I expected to. I had other things going on. So we've got one vote each. <laughs> we've got a teaching style, and that Julie says that I like the conversation style, and Janet says I would prefer to read from curiosity. I like the fact that you don't know what's coming either. It's more of a traditional book club format. That was that was how. Well, I came to it both ways, honestly. Like I said, the very first book. I did read first and really did want to recommend. I felt like that was, uh, I mean, the Menopause Manifesto was one of the best books I've ever read. Truly, just a fantastic, really informational book. And then the other ones, since then, and to be fair, there was some of hers that I disagreed with too. I'm thinking about that. It wasn't the crux of our conversation, but there were things that she said that I was like, especially about weight loss. I was like, come talk to me, Dr. Jen. I want to help you with this. But the books since then, I've gone into completely blind. And and I suspect that, that many of you have too. I know Brene Brown, lots of you had probably had some familiarity with her. Um, but the other books that I've chosen, I, I really truly chose out of curiosity. So, so I think... I think moving forward, it could be really interesting to maybe do a mix of both styles. Like when I come upon a book that really resonates with me and really seems like something I'd like to share with you, that that would be you know a, a good recommendation. And I'll make that really clear. Hey, this is something that I read that I want to talk to you about for this specific reason. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I like to read from curiosity is what Deborah says. Um, and of course, hear your opinion, what you agree and disagree with and why. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that, which is how I feel too. I love hearing. I Can I be honest? I like it when we disagree. Not you and I necessarily, but, but when we maybe disagree with the author. I, I love finding the nuances of, okay, here, she put this forward like this. And there was a part of it that I understood and resonated with, but there was also a part where I kind of pushed back a little bit. I like, I like the pushback because I think that's how it's how I learn, and I think that's probably how other people learn. Also, I know that for me personally, when I find myself getting aggravated by a book, I'm like. Okay, dig in here, Paula. What is it that you don't like about this? What is this? What button is this pushing that you you feel like you disagree with? And sometimes it really helps me clarify what 
I think even more than I already knew that I was thinking. So I'm glad to hear that you guys would like to read out of curiosity too. I think that's super fun. And I'll be very curious as we you know, move on through the day. I'll be very curious whether or not you like me having a guest to talk with or if you like the fully interactive style. I'll be honest. I think I'm going to like the fully interactive style. (laughs) I love hearing from all of you. I really do. So let me start. Let me give you a a gimme of a question. Straight up, did you like the book? Just a yes or no. Like just a, a very general opinion. Did you like reading the book from either curiosity or as something to learn or or not? I would say for me personally, my overall impression was that I liked the book, but I wouldn't necessarily like recommend it. You know how you can like a book and be like, okay, that was super interesting, but not like, oh my gosh, everybody I know in the world needs to read this book. This is so fascinating. And every woman I know, Lori says it was fine, but I wasn't super excited about it. I think... I felt, I felt slightly above fine, but, but yes, Julie says I liked parts of it, but skipped parts that I wasn't interested in. Oh, Julie, I'm curious about that. I always worry when I skip parts that I'm going to skip something that I might have actually been more interested in than I thought I was. So do you mind sharing what you skipped? I just told you I wouldn't put you on the spot, but here I am. (laughs) you more because I'm curious what it was that you skipped. Um, and oh, and Janet says, I'd like to hear more from Geraldine. She wasn't a fan. I would too. I'd love to know. Oh, I didn't skip, but I skimmed. Oh, I totally do that. You guys, this is what I love about chirp. The ability to put it on like 1.2, 1.3, 1.4, 1.5, 1.6. I can't listen much faster than about 1.6 because otherwise it starts to get a little bit Alvin and the Chipmunks. But I I can't really listen to things on normal speed like that. 1.3 for me, says Lori. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. Oh, and Geraldine says, I found it a bit chaotic and could have done with better editing. I am so fascinated by that about better editing. I... It's interesting that you would say chaotic, and I almost wonder, not if that was intentional, but if that style kind of fit the chaos that she was trying to describe. Like, maybe that was a thematic or artistic choice. I I also found it a little bit choppy. I, I, for me personally, I kept waiting and... This is, this is much more precise than my general overall, did you like it or did you not like it? I found it in the advice and self-help section. So I kept waiting for the self-help part. <laughs> it, was, it was nonfiction. It was absolutely, here's a lot of information. This is fascinating. Here's something to think about. And that's why I liked it. But I kept waiting for her to tell me that there was something to do, that there was some good news out of it. And then, and then, of course, she did get to that in quite literally the last, what, like three pages maybe, where she was like, oh, by the way, eat right and exercise and get your sleep and manage your mind. <laughs> I, I was seriously, I was on the treadmill laughing out loud. I'm like, gosh, I wonder if anybody in my audience has ever heard that advice before. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh, so, so funny. And Lori, who um, knows a little something about editing, says, I agree, Geraldine. What was it about? Where was the through line? It wasn't quite memoir, but it wasn't quite fully informational. Totally agree with that comment that had I found it under the section memoir, I, I would have read it very easily, very happily, and had that in my mind. Had I found it as a straight-up nonfiction book, totally would have had that in my mind. Oh, I'm learning about periods, about you know PMDD, about you know PMS and endometriosis and all these kinds of things. Having seen the the phrase self-help and advice. I expected something really different out of it. So I, I, I do think that that's where, where I kind of came to it. Also, like, where's the cohesiveness? What are, what are we doing with all this information? Did, did you guys kind of feel that way too, that it was definitely informative? I mean, very informative, but could have, could have used a little more, here's what to do with this information. Were you guys expecting that too, a little bit more, self-helpy rather than simply nonfiction. Sally says, I wasn't expecting memoir. I, and Julie says, yes, I, um, from the description, the little blurb that I had read on chirp, I, I feel like, I feel like you can't write a book about periods and women's function, you know, like biological function without having some, personal anecdotes. I mean, you definitely need to tell at least a little bit of your story. I agree. I wasn't expecting it to be quite so memoir, but, but I felt like I personally felt like the memoir essence of it was, was very natural, very understandable. I mean, did you, did you find the personal stories? Like, did you find it to be helpful in understanding some of the information? And then Lori says, but it also wasn't memoir enough to be a real memoir. I agree. It was, it was definitely a, a couple of different things. It was definitely a, a nonfiction memoir-esque type book. But so the question that I had asked was, did you find the, the stories to be helpful to kind of break up and help understand some of the science? I liked that she didn't only tell her story too, actually speaking of that, that it wasn't just her memoir, that she had, you know, other people who have had personal experiences that were similar or, or even different to kind of help round it out. And Lori says, I feel like I wasn't her audience being postmenopausal, so I wouldn't have gotten anything from that. You know, I... Again, in the description, it specifically said menopause. I we're, That was one of my points that I was going to get to later, but thank you for bringing it up because this was definitely something I wanted to talk with you guys about. I didn't think there was enough conversation about menopause at all. <laughs> like, like for it being half of our lives or, you know, somewhere between a third and a half of our lives where we are either peri or, you know, menopausal where we have no longer have periods. It's like, I kind of thought there'd be more conversation about that. <laughs> so, so yes, I feel I felt worried about how she was going to experience menopause, right? I Geraldine, I totally agree. I thought to myself, if this is if this is what a rough go you've had of all of this, I I'd worried a little bit about her too, about 
how she was going to find her way through all of these changes also. And Deborah says, exactly. I kept waiting for the menopause chapter. Yes. She mentioned a couple of times. I know she's in her thirties or she was when she wrote the book. She might be almost 40 now. I think she was 36, 37 when she wrote the book in 20, like 18, 2019. And it was so, it was funny to me because while I was, I'll be honest, I was a little bit snarky when I was listening to it, where, especially when she got to the very end and she's like, oh, I have to, you know, eat right. (laughs) I have to exercise. I have to take care of myself. And I was like, duh. And then I thought, oh, Paula, you were 37 when you figured that out. I was, I was 37. I was literally her age when I figured out that I was actually responsible for my own health, that it wasn't just, you know, my periods problem. It wasn't just the problem of society or I apologize. My, <laughs> my doorbell just rang, which means my dog's going to go nuts now. <laughs> Blossom, thank you for joining the podcast. <laughs> Um, and Talina says, and I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, says the stories were entertaining. I agree. That was definitely entertaining. Hey, Blossom. Um, and Sally says it was about our history, not our now. I agree. You know, I, I definitely felt like menopause manifesto, obviously being entirely about menopause was, was just so spot on with where I am and what I wanted to read about. And this one was, I, I, I felt like. I felt like it was an interesting lens with which to view all those years that I struggled with my period, where I struggled with, you know, feeling hormonal. Um, and, and Lori says, perfect, Sally. I agree. And Geraldine says, as a Brit, I would be very interested to find out what people thought about all the unexplained acronyms and references to British culture. Do people know what Fleabag is? I do. I haven't watched it, but I, I know about it, kind of. Um, I live really near where she had her first period. So interesting. I, that was actually something that I was going to ask you guys about, about the experience of listening to the author, who is British, reading it herself. And I... First of all, I love to have authors read it themselves. I find the the experience to be much more personal, much more personable to have that. I thought she had a beautiful voice. I thought it was lovely listening to her. I mean, here, I'm about to sound really American. I love British accents. They're really nice. So, so I... It's a compliment, I promise. I, I just, I love, I love listening to her. I found her very easy to understand, thank goodness. And there were definitely times when I kind of mentally paused and was like, okay, I think I know what she's talking about. A lot of the intricacies of the British health system unfamiliar to me. So I, I kind of felt like I got it from context, but I wasn't sure if I was understanding like every single thing. Um, and Lori says, yes, I did get most of that. Geraldine, what I thought was interesting was that they seemed to have changed the title. Oh, of the book based on where it was published. It was hysterical in the UK. Oh, that's so interesting. I thought she had two books because on one of the places where I found it, I don't think it was on Chirp. Maybe I looked it up on Amazon also. I I tend to look at books in a lot of different places while I'm choosing. And so I thought that she had actually written two different books. Oh, that's so interesting. (laughs) Janet says, fun fact, I changed my Siri voice to be a British man. (laughs) 
oh my gosh, I bet that was so interesting to listen to this book read by a man. Or you mean just in general, your, your Siri, like, oh, okay. Like Siri, tell me where I am. Tell me how to get something. I love that. <laughs> okay. And then Lori says they have the same published date. Oh, so interesting. Okay. Oh, then I do feel bad. I do wonder if the woman who said that she had wrong, read the wrong book, I wonder if she read the British version hysterical instead of hormonal. So interesting. Okay. Because I, you know, often I often, yeah, thank you. Sally is holding up the, the hormonal book cover. Yeah. Which is what it is on chirp for sure, which is, and chirp I know is in the U S and Canada. Um, yeah. Cause I was actually going to go and spend a little bit of time reading what I thought was her other book, which is what I love to do with, with books that I'm intrigued by and find interest in. I like to read something else that, um, that they have written. And so Lori says, yeah, I think that's how it went, but I'm not sure. And maybe the change in title was different. Yeah. I don't know. That's, I will look into that cause I am really curious about that. So, so I am curious cause we didn't, we, we kind of got into the whole, like, did we all understand the, the British, uh, public health system. And no, I didn't really, but in general, what did you guys think about hearing the author read it herself? Is that something that, that you prefer when you're listening to the audiobook? And actually even, I mean, having said that, did you guys read the book paper or did you listen to the book on audio or both? This one, I only listened to the audio and found several times as I often do that I would have preferred to have a visual on it also. Um, Julie says, I read it. Uh, Geraldine says that, that she read it on Kindle and Lori listened to it on Chirp. Yeah. Yeah. Super interesting. So I'm curious, I'm curious for you personally, which, which story or anecdote, whether or not it was hers personally. And Sally says that she read the hard copy. Yeah. Cause you just handled it up too. I love it. <laughs> I like having a hard copy. I do. It's, there's still something really nice about having an actual book in my hand. I've gotten very used to listening and even reading on my phone, but every now and again, I like to just have a book. It's just very comforting. It's very, it, I mean, it's very analog. It's very, it shows my age, I'm sure. <laughs> But I'm curious which, which story, like personal story, either from her or her friends, I mean, or even some of the like famous people that she talked to, which anecdote really kind of stood out to you as, as something that made, that made the information a little bit more understandable, a little bit more, a little bit more personal for me, the one that I, I was flabbergasted by, I felt like I had a pretty decent understanding of, of PMS, certainly of PMDD a little, I, I know, I know several people who have PMDD. So I feel like I kind of have a, a grasp on that. I have to be honest. I have known so many people in my life who have had endometriosis and I really had no idea listening to her describe her experience with it and, and the amount of pain and what actually happens. And I don't know if I have just actually blocked that from listening to people, or if this is something that maybe we, the global, we don't talk about. I was really shocked first of all, at how many people have it. And second of all, at how like really invasive and disrupting it is. I, I, 
I found that to be the most fascinating part of the book. And it, you know how when you read something and all of a sudden you're like rethinking everything that you've said when you kind of just passed off when somebody's like, oh yeah, I have endometriosis. And you're like, oh yeah, that's too bad. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was really flip about that. I want to go apologize to everybody that I've ever known who has had that. And I had no idea how much they were suffering from it because it, it really sounds like a very rough go. So I, I'm curious if there were any stories that kind of, that kind of made you pause a little bit and, and maybe rethink what you thought you knew about, well, about being a woman in general. Can I give you guys a little bit of time to type? This is, this is the interesting thing about having everybody. I, I, will, I will offer again. You guys really are welcome to raise your Zoom hand if you'd like to speak. That's okay, too. <laughs> I was curious also. Oh, hello, Sally. Let me ask you to unmute. I love it. Thank you, you for coming have a dose of English. I love it. Yay! <laughs> um, oh, you've thrown me now by speaking to you. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess I'd never really appreciated the horrors of PMS. I obviously got away lightly. <laughs> um, yes, intense period of pain. And uh, after having my daughter, I then had um, the ovulation pain as well oh. and a very short cycle. So there wasn't long between those. Mm -hmm. um, but as for PMS, it was my husband that used to have to point out to me that I was tetchy. <laughs> And how nice of him to point that out to you. Yeah. He used to tell me that, are you due on in about a week's time? Oh, yeah, sorry. But, yeah, never, didn't realize what other people are going through, as, as, as we now know, because we don't talk about it. Yeah. And yet... Honestly, you just say, oh, I've got PMS. And you go, oh, okay. Exactly. I think that's the thing. I feel like, I feel like we all talk about it. Like it's, it's part of our vernacular. It's part of how we relate to each other. We all throw it out there, but also it did. It definitely clarified for me how much we also hide that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we all acknowledge, oh, PMS, yeah, I'm hormonal. Like, we all kind of put it out there. But again, I mean, in my experience of, of knowing people with endometriosis, I had no idea. Absolutely none. In, in thinking about women that I have known who have even casually kind of talked about, oh, yeah, PMS is really hard for me. It's like, I wonder, I do wonder how much we've all hidden because of a lot of the things that the author was talking about, about how we, we just want to kind of hide our pain and that there's a little bit of like shame around that too. Yeah. Janet, thank you for raising your hand. Well, I just wanted to say that as a sufferer in the past from endometriosis, I wish there would have been books, even if this one isn't great, at least the discussion is taking place because I feel like when I was in my 20s and 30s, nobody was talking about this. Yeah. And yeah, the, the periods were painful. I just came to think that I was a whim. I had no idea that this was abnormal and that possibly I could have gotten treatment for it and not had to suffer all those years. So in that way, maybe this book and ones like it are a good thing. Yeah. And I, I felt like that was, I mean, if there was a through line to be had in the book, I do feel like, and it, I believe it was even the, the subtitle of the book about why we need to speak up. 
that that speaking up and and not even necessarily in a way where we're like you know demanding help from our doctors or whatever, but even talking to other women. And just saying, hey, this is my experience. Have you experienced this too? And then making it more, more common, more open. I, I honestly, I hadn't thought about the word shame as far as like my period or, or even pregnancy or birth or, or even menopause. I mean, I, <laughs> if you guys have ever listened to my podcast or worked out with me, I don't have a lot of shame. I talk about things. <laughs> I talk about a lot of personal stuff. I talk about my thoughts about my personal stuff. I talk about my body. I talk about stuff. So for me, I never really thought about calling it shame in situations where I don't talk about it, where... And I'm honestly, I'm even struggling right now to think about where I don't talk about it. I'm a mother of boys. And let me tell you something from a very young age, I was very clear with my boys about this is what periods are. This is how I feel when I have one. This is what's going on. There's no mystery here. I wanted them to understand you are presumably going to be husbands someday, which means you need to understand this. So I am preparing you by telling you all about it. My kids know more about menopause than I think most grown men do truly. I have, I have talked to them about what's going on with my body. I have talked to them about what's going on with my periods. I have talked to them about what's going on with just me emotionally and what that's like. And so I, I thought it was very interesting to use the word shame because it hasn't necessarily been my experience. And yet the way that she described it and talked about it, I I do feel like socially, even among other women, there is a little bit of, I want to hide how much pain I'm in. I, I don't necessarily want to talk about the yucky parts. And, and I'm wondering if that has kind of been either your experience or if it was something that you like resonated with in the book, the way that, that she was talking about it. Sally, thank you again. Oh, let's get you unmuted. There you go. Yeah. I, I realize my, my daughter's now 38, um, and I realized that we haven't had these conversations. You know, here's your sanitary wear, here's your Paris, you know, here's your painkillers, here's your hot water bottle, you yeah. um, deal with it. And she was saying, you know, it's about the shame. She said, even when for her, um, being in the, in the public's um, restroom, in the stall, trying to hide that unwrapping sound of the unwrapping your sanitary wear. Yeah. That, you know, maybe the American culture is different to the British, but there was that shame. Yeah. That letting the world know that you were having your period at the moment. Yeah. I did. I mean, if you think about it, and I don't very often, but if you think about it, anytime you are any place in public with even, let's say, a handful of women somebody's on their period. I mean, just the, the statistics are like, obviously somebody is on their period. If there's another woman or several women around, I mean, so it is really interesting. I, I would say even in America, I'm, I'm careful about 
trying to be kind of quiet about stuff like that. But I'm, interestingly, I'm sure you all want to know this. I am I am a little quiet in public restrooms just in general. That That is where I'll have a little bit of shame. I will talk to you about my poop, but I will not be very loud about it in public. <laughs> She has an interesting period shame story. Oh, we've definitely got time for that. Tell us your story, Janet. I love it. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Okay. I used to work at a homeless shelter for women, and um, some college kids in our town called me and um, said, what do you need? We want to do it, some kind of project that will help your shelter. And I said, we need tampons. They are like gold here. You, yes. just, you know, we have all these people who are living here, and we go through quite a few of them. They called me back about two weeks later. They put on a talent show called A Jam for Pads and Tampons, shortened to Jampon. And the evening of the show, um, all of these people, the admission was um, a package of tampons or pads. Or you can pay $5 and donate, and we buy them for you. Yeah. But you saw college guys walking in with pads and tampons, and the whole, uh, in between the acts, the uh, MCs talked about periods and how, especially how homeless women have to deal with them. You yes. talk about embarrassing. A lot of times they don't have a lot of choices. Yeah. But really, I, it was so enlightening to see these these kids just, it's just part of life. And I wish more uh, people in our world could be like that. But it made me think maybe there's some hope with these young kids, uh, with the guys walking in with their stay-free pads. I love it. Yeah, that is that is amazing. And I love that. I, I do think that, I mean, thinking about people who are that age, I do think that there is less, hopefully less shame and less embarrassment and a little bit more understanding. Because I, I was probably, I'm going to say it was probably only about five years ago before um, I, something went on in my town, kind of the same thing. I mean, not quite, not quite on that level, but where they were talking about how how dire the situation is for for homeless women, how they don't have the same kind of access. And I mean, I was in my forties; I had never thought about that. I was like, oh, of course that's important. Of course, I mean hello, every single month, that's something you got to figure out. And I know how, I mean, in a home, in my own home, how, how inconvenient it can feel. So imagining trying to deal with that elsewhere too. So I think that's, I do think that that is something that, that younger people are a lot more aware of. And I think that's really fantastic that, that that was local for you. So wonderful. And I'm wondering if, um, Okay, so I'm looking at some of the questions that um, when I'm in partnership with Chirp, one of the things that they do for me is that they have some different like questions for me to ask and talk about. And I will tell you that one of the parts of the book that I thought was really, really interesting was, I mean, let me rephrase that. One of the things that I thought was very interesting that she brought up and then didn't do very much with, <laughs> because that was how I sort of felt about the book. Like she kept bringing things up. And then you kind of got to do with it whatever you wanted to do with it versus like, here's a resolution, here's something you could do with it. But when she was talking about personality types, I was, I was kind of laughing and nodding my head because I mean, have you guys all taken the Myers-Briggs personality test that has like no merit in science at all? <laughs> I thought that whole section where she was kind of debunking some, some things that we all sort of not take for granted necessarily, but, but have in our lexicon as like, oh, I'm an INFJ and, and things like that. It's like, 
you know that means nothing, right? <laughs> um, but uh, Janet said that I read about that too, Geraldine. Women can't go to work because they don't have the supplies they need to deal with their period. It's such a, it's so rough. Um, and Geraldine says, I was interested that Myers and Briggs were women. I agree. I thought this was, this was what I really liked about the book. I definitely found out things that I didn't know before. Like factually speaking, I found the book to have several very fascinating tidbits. As far as like what to do with those fascinating tidbits, that's where I felt like the book kind of fell short. Like my, my overall sense of the book was that it really, it brought things up. And then it just kind of handed it to you. Like, here's some information. And again, had I gone into it thinking to myself, this is strictly a nonfiction book. I'm learning something. I'm not trying to integrate something into how I live my life and what I do with this information. I wouldn't have felt quite so, so set up and then kind of unfinished. But yeah, I, I thought that the, the factoid of, of Myers and Briggs being women... Um, and I found it interesting, the link between obesity and traumatic events. Did others know that? Um, I, I did. This is something that I have not studied extensively, but it is something. It's something that I have noticed anecdotally over the past, how long has it been? 12 years of working with women really specifically. My fitness, my fitness career has always been focused on women. The very first fitness job I had was in a a famous, well-known chain of women's fitness gyms that I don't name because it was one of the worst jobs I've ever had. (laughs) Um, But I, I loved working with the women. And as it happens, I was in my late thirties, early forties when I was working there. And pretty much all the women there were the age that I am now. They were in their fifties and sixties and seventies. So I had such a great opportunity to understand women's fitness when I was younger, before it was something that I needed to understand and listening to, you know, it, again, I think, I think we have our own version of, we keep some things to ourselves, And yet there is a lot of like public conversation. I mean, the women at this gym, knowing that it was all women definitely talked about menopause, definitely talked about their bodies and really specifically gravity <laughs> and fitness. And they talked about their husbands and love lives and, and things like that too. Like there were, there were definite topics that you wouldn't hear in what I would call mixed company that it was, it was really nice to have access to. And then as it also happens, my very first personal training client was my mom, who at the time would have been in her early 70s. Yeah, early 70s, late 60s. So I had like a, again, a real bird's eye, hands-on view of this is what fitness is like post-menopause. This is what, this is what happens. This is what can happen. Um, and so in, in my personal, like working with women and I've worked with women of all ages and I absolutely have found that the link between, and I wouldn't even necessarily call it traumatic events. I would just call it like difficult events and, and really specifically, I'm just, again, some of it is trauma and some of it is simply an unresolved difficulty, which is why I do the work that I do. I mean, there is definitely like trauma work that needs to be done, but the work that I do as a life coach talking about like 
Here's how you can think about some things that have happened to you. Here's how you can find your thoughts. Here's how, here's how all the thoughts that you have gathered from all the junk that has gone on in your life, this is how it's affecting your body right now. This is how it's affecting your weight. Like all those times as a kid, when somebody would say something about, you know, being dumb, for example, my go-to that absorbed into so many different areas of my life. It affected how I thought about my body. It affected how I thought about my fitness. It affected how I thought about my ability to earn money. It affected how I thought about my ability to be in a loving relationship. Like the message, the message might have been, you know, handed to me in one really specific instance, but the way my brain took it in, it went everywhere. It became this universal, this is something about me as a human being, as opposed to this is something about my ability to, you know, (laughs) dribble a basketball, for example. I was really not good at sports when I was young. And that translated into me thinking that I wasn't good at anything because I had, again, what I consider just unresolved. I have unresolved thoughts about a specific thing that became kind of everything. So, so for me as like somebody who works in fitness, I've absolutely worked on one-on-one with people and been privy to their stories about things that they had unresolved in their lives. And not all of them were necessarily trauma, but they were unpleasantness, unhappiness, and just unresolvedness in their lives that absolutely translated into weight on their bodies. I've I've been well aware, at least anecdotally, of that connection um, for a long time. And I, I, I was really happy to, not happy, but I was interested to read about that and see that it has been you know, corroborated like scientifically. Like This is what happens to trauma. This is what happens in your brain. And Janet is asking if there is a connection between addictive behavior and unresolved issues from the past. Honestly... As far as I can tell, there is a connection between unresolved thoughts and everything. Like if I had to say, here's what is, if you have some, something in your life that you'd like to just fix something in your life, that's not going quite the way you'd like it to go. It's because of something unresolved. And it's not necessarily that you need to go like resolve that trauma or that issue so much as you, in, in my opinion, need to simply find out what you're thinking right now. And that thinking, generally speaking, stems from something unresolved. It's a, a word or a phrase or a sentence that you heard that hurt when you were younger that you have then carried with you and spewed out into the world onto other things. I mean, that is that is truly the way that I see difficulties in our lives is that we have thoughts and we just need to find them and decide whether or not they're still helpful. And most of them aren't. That is interesting though, about thinking about addictive behaviors also, because I do think for some people that, that obesity is a, like almost a form of an addiction, not necessarily like a food addiction, but, but a comforting mechanism to eat and to eat certain kinds of foods and to eat in certain amounts that again, I I don't want to delve into like the science of food addiction and whether or not that's a thing, because as far as I understand it, there's quite a bit of debate as to whether or not that's actually a thing, but, but the behavior, the repetitive behavior 
of comforting yourself with food, I absolutely associate that with, with things that are unresolved. Um, interesting. I feel that my husband is addicted to running and exercise and all of his siblings have some kind of addiction. And I think this is his version. Isn't that interesting? I, I would honestly say that for many, many years, I would have classified myself as somebody with an addictive personality, somebody who liked doing things repetitively and found myself doing things repetitively. And I absolutely felt that way about running. (laughs) hundred percent. And yet, and yet my understanding of myself now, like my, my level of self-awareness, I can see that I'm capable of enjoying something without really thinking about it addictively. And so that was a resolution for me to become self-aware. And Geraldine says, I used to be addicted to cycling in my early twenties. I felt terrible if I couldn't do it. It's interesting how And this was actually a a bone that I had to pick with the book, truly, was the way she described so many things as being outside of our control with, with really specifically, like when we think something like, I feel terrible if I can't run or cycle, and that feels addictive, and and yet it's not really about the cycling. And for me, it wasn't really about the running. And, and in the case of, of reading what she was talking about in the book about how it's not, it wasn't really about how, you know, society says this or that, that, that when you come to the awareness of, of your own thoughts, that, that none of it is outside of, of your control. And that was what I kept waiting for her to like, kind of get to. I think, I think she's about 10 years away from it. If I had to guess, she's got a little bit more to go through because I mean, again, at the end of the book, when she was talking about how I thought it was very, very fascinating how she brushed right up against therapy two times in the book. She talked about cognitive behavioral therapy, which is exactly, I mean, I don't do therapy, but that's, those are the tools that I use as a life coach where you find your thoughts, you understand that they are creating your feelings, and then those feelings are driving your actions and getting you results. She, she mentioned it, said that it was helpful, and then swooped right away from it. And then at the very end when she was like, oh yeah, by the way, and now I'm seeing a therapist, it's really helping. It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> that would have been a really good part of the book to bring up about how what you think creates your reality. But I felt, I felt like that didn't fit her narrative because she really did want to talk a little bit more about the science and she wanted to talk more about pain and she didn't necessarily... Again, it was not a self-help book. She didn't actually... Maybe she did want to offer help, but she didn't actually want to offer one prescriptive, here's the thing that helps. I think she wanted to explore, here are lots of things that may or may not help different people in different stages. And by the way, I went through all of them and none of them helped until I went to therapy and started managing my mind. (laughs) So I, I personally would really love to have like a second book where she talks about how managing her mind helped her manage her pain. I sure hope it does. Lori says that she seemed to be talking also about how we pathologize being female. So that may have felt to her like it didn't fit in. I see to us, it would have fit. I totally agree. That was what I thought also. And she even, she even really kind of specifically talked about that a couple of times about how we have medicalized being a woman. And 
personally, I kind of went back and forth on that because on the one hand, she kind of seemed like she was skewering it. And then on the other hand, she was like, so then I went to this doctor to try and get some help. And then I went to this doctor to try and get some help. And then I went to this doctor to try and get some help. Like she almost pathologized herself, which again, I think may have just been like an artistic choice to, to frame her, her whole narrative under the, here's all the help that I was searching for. Here's all the things that I found. I'd like to give her the benefit of the doubt on this one and say that that's why she presented it as such. Um, I, <laughs> Lori says, I, I found her part that was basically about antidepressants are evil, problematic, but she also skirted around it a bit. Exactly. I, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. She brought things up and kind of presented an opinion and then moved on to another topic because yeah, when I got to the part where she was talking about antidepressants and I was just like, Oh, are we going there? Are we, are we doing this? Is this what's happening right now? Okay. Okay. And then, and then it didn't go much further than her simply bringing up some research and kind of having an opinion about it, but then moving on from it too. I'm curious if, I'm curious if there was a part for, for each of you, like, I think for me, I had, you know, some hot button issues where of course I wanted her to talk about exercise. (laughs) Like, of course I wanted her to, you know, like that was, that was what I was waiting for the whole time. When are you going to get to some exercise therapy? And when are you going to like take care of your body, you know, take some personal responsibility. And it, it kind of wasn't there. Like there was a little bit at the end. So I'm curious if you guys had like a, like a hot button that either you were waiting for her to bring up, not just menopause, but like some other maybe therapy or some other topic that you were waiting for her to, or some topic that she did bring up that maybe you found a little difficult to read through because, because of the way she presented it. I was curious about that. And Lori, I was actually wondering, just because I do, I, I do happen to know Lori, she and I are in the Get Your Goal group together. And I was wondering if that was the part where you quit reading the book, because I know you mentioned that you had quit reading it. I didn't know if you had come back and finished it or not. <laughs> Hello, sweetheart. How are you? <laughs> I, I just figured it's easier than, than typing in. Yeah. Um, I actually ended up going back to it because I can't remember whether it was Amy B or somebody else had like or Julie, somebody on our group had talked about how yeah. much they liked it. Yeah. And so I ended up going back to it. No, I hadn't gotten that far. I actually got really bogged down in the beginning. Oh. When she was going so deeply into the biology of your period, like the hormone this, the hormone that. And I was like, I am no longer having my period. That is way in the rearview mirror. Oh. I'm not interested in this stuff. And then I was glad, actually, that I went back to it because the rest of it was even if I didn't love the book, there was there was more to that second part. But it, it like I had no idea that was coming because they didn't set it up in any way in the you know like in the intro or anything that that was what was going to be coming next. And so, um, but I will say yes. Yeah, so the antidepressant part definitely bugged me a little bit. And also just like I thought it was really funny because she references Jen Gunter who did the menopause manifesto. Yes, I was so happy when Dr. Jen came into the book. <laughs> But then, like she says things that are kind of like anti doctor like she she hadn't really read Dr. Jen or Dr. Jen hadn't written the menopause manifesto and she hadn't finished you know whatever yeah. she didn't really read deeply into Dr. Jen because then she starts talking about bioidentical hormones and I was all like 
where is the skepticism there that you're supposed to be giving? And, you know, the antidepressant thing was also similarly. It was like, yeah. I mean, it's fine if you want to take them, but, you know, you're probably being manipulated by the medical system. <laughs> Um, Well, but I did feel, because she did actually end up with some skepticism about the bioidentical hormone replacement, and and I was happy that she had some skepticism about the the wellness culture also. I I do think that, I do think that the tide is hopefully starting to turn as we understand that wellness is 100% unregulated, unregulated, you guys. They're offering you things that have zero like actual science behind them and not even science but but no claims that they can actually point to and be like oh yes we've proven this works in any manner like anyway sorry I went off on a tangent there <laughs> but yeah I felt like I felt like some things she was more the author uh, Eleanor Morgan was was more skeptical about some things than others I and and that's fair I mean she's she's writing the book she gets to be skeptical yeah. about what she wants to be skeptical about Yeah, I guess my thing was, again, like, you know, having read Dr. Jen's book, right? Like, Dr. Jen and I may not agree on everything in the entire world, but she's a doctor, and Eleanor Morgan is not, and and she was kind of taking it, you know, like, based on, like, one interview here or whatever, and making statements that I thought were beyond the ken of her argument. Interesting. That's kind of where it got from. That's where I had my biggest problems, just kind of as an overall. Yeah. Geraldine said the same thing. I was very aware that she was not a scientist or a doctor. I thought that numerous times during the book also that, that there was a lot of science in it and a lot of kind of opinions about science in it that I was like, Oh, I do actually like reading books by doctors better. <laughs> so that was my opinion that that I do really prefer to to have science in a book. That that her version of the science was interesting as far as it went, but I I would like more science. Yeah, Sally, thank you. Let's get you unmuted though. Oh, there you go. If, if she had been a, a, a scientist or a doctor, she would have been. Um just selling her own theory sometimes whereas yeah it, it was as if she went to lots of different doctors trying to find different pathways to the, to uh, to help yeah as opposed to just selling her own <laughs> yeah and i and i agree that as as somebody who is not a scientist or a doctor that that was definitely the best tack for her because she couldn't just say, okay, here's all these research studies and and I have the knowledge to stand on, you know, one leg about this, that she was, and again, this is part of why it was kind of chaotic and disjointed. She went here and then she went there and then she went there and she definitely had stronger opinions about some of them than others. Yeah. And And I agreed with some of her opinions and disagreed with, with some of the others, which is part of what I liked about the book, honestly. And this is, I think, where we're going to wrap things up. I am curious whether or not you enjoyed arguing with her a little bit. Like, if that was part of the interest and challenge for you. And the reason I'm asking you really specifically is because moving forward, as I pick other books... I'd like to know how how challenging do we want? Like, do we want to read something that we really disagree with here, or do we want to read something that's like, okay, this is a little safer, and this is something that is definitely in my wheelhouse? I want to know. I want to know how uh, how contentious we should get. <laughs> Although I will tell you, I'm probably going to go something a little sciencier <laughs> next time. <laughs> 
And actually, having said that, while you guys are telling me how, how argumentative we want to get, which I don't think we're argumentative at all, this has been a great conversation. I am curious because I would love, love, love to hear suggestions. I, um, my ability to, to pick books is somewhat limited just by my own time frame and everything else. If you have read a book that you either loved or loved to hate or have a, an opinion about or just think it might be interesting for a conversation, I would love to have suggestions. You guys can, um, you can always leave comments on social where the podcasts come out. Um, if you've got something relatively quickly, you're welcome to pop it into the chat here. That would be amazing. Um, Janet says, I would love to read a memoir. Someone mentioned this earlier. I will be on the lookout for an appropriate one. I agree. I think, I think a full-on memoir could be very suitable for what we do here. I mean, while we talk about wellness and health, and I do definitely have a science bent, I had this been a straight-up full-on memoir, I probably would have enjoyed it more. And I certainly would have expected something different from it. I mean, again, I, I came to it with... I came to it with one expectation and then it was a little bit different. So it took me a while to kind of figure out where she was actually going with it. So if we read something that is really specifically a memoir and I've got that in my head, then I will read it as, as a memoir. And I think that could be very interesting. So, so you guys, gosh, thank you. This was super fun. I, I really liked hearing lots of voices. I really liked hearing lots of opinions. I would love to, um, excuse me. Um, don't want to disagree totally. Sorry. I'm reading what Sally says. Sally says, I don't want to disagree totally, but every subject does raise issues for somebody. I totally agree. I, yeah. There's always, there's never going to be a book where we're all like, you know what? That was just really nice. And then that's the end of our conversation. <laughs> and thank goodness for it. Right. I mean, this is, this is why I love book club. We have a good time. So I am also curious. I mean, speaking of feedback that I would love to get from you guys. And I think you know what I think I might be able to do? I'm going to figure this out uh, via my email list somehow. For those of you who have registered to come to the book clubs, I'm going to see if I can literally send you an email with like a poll of some sort, because I'm curious about what you thought about this time of day and this like a weekday versus a weekend. I'm curious what you thought about like this format where we're all able to kind of chat and be very casual about it. And of course I am soliciting, like I just said, I'm soliciting um, suggestions for our next book. So I will, I will figure that out. You guys, thank you so, so much for being here. It was so wonderful to chat with you all. Have a great rest of your day. If you're getting a lot out of the Fitness Matters podcast and you're ready to take it to the next level, you're going to love the Get Your Goal Coaching and Accountability Group. We take all the theory and knowledge here on the podcast and actually apply it in real life on your real weight loss and fitness goals. It's hands-on, it's fun, and it works. Find out more at paulabfitness.com slash get dash your dash goal. And let's get your goal.